Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 175 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Friday, June 17th, 2022. What is the Biden regime doing to make the cost of gas continue to go up? What companies are sponsoring drag queen shows in Arkansas? What's wrong with red flag laws? And why did the FDA just approve COVID vaccines for babies? Details coming up. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you would like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, Ordinarily, I do a live stream five days a week, Monday through Friday, sometime around lunchtime, and then upload it to make the podcast available for people to listen to whenever they want to right after I complete the live stream. However, I was unable to do the show Thursday, June 16th due to being invited to speak to the Baxter County Republican Women's Club in Mountain Home, Arkansas. Now, it was really a pleasant surprise that I got the invitation because Once the primary was over and I lost, I was no longer running for office. I didn't expect to get any invitations to go speak to political groups about anything. So it was really nice that they uh, invited me to come speak to them in Mount Home, Arkansas. It's a beautiful part of the country. A lovely ride up there from Little Rock. But I was asked to address their concerns about voter fraud and election integrity. And we talked about it for quite a while. Now, it's a six-hour round trip from Little Rock, Arkansas, to Mountain Home, Arkansas, and we were probably there for three hours because some folks wanted to talk for a long time after the meeting, and we did too, and had a great lunch at the Italian Garden Restaurant in Mountain Home. So anyway, by the time I got home and had dinner Thursday evening, it was pretty late, and it took me several hours of show prep to get ready to do the show, but by 2 o'clock in the morning, I was ready to go. And that's when the Internet went out in our neighborhood. It came back on around noon Friday, so I apologize for the inconvenience, but it's it's good to be back. Now, before I get started on the red flag laws, I, I want to share with you a very compelling thread that I came across. My buddy uh, Murray Rothbard over at uh, Twitter, he's got almost 200,000 followers. He follows fewer than 500 people himself, so it's it's really an honor that I'm one of the handful of people he f- follows, and I don't know why. But anyway, here's what he said. If there's one thing I've learned from the January 6th committee, it's that the FBI, DOJ, CIA, NSA, DNC, FISA court, Clinton campaign, mainstream media, etc., can conspire to steal an election, frame the president, claim he was a Russian agent, and impeach him twice 
But if anyone else so much as questions the 2020 results, when every swing state inexplicably stopped counting votes on election night while Trump was decisively ahead, governors and secretaries of state illegally changed election laws in the days and weeks leading up to the election. Fake stories of water pipe breaks, flooding voting facilities in Georgia. DNC members counting votes after they sent Republicans and media members home. Evidence of ballot mule, evidence of ballot mules illegally dumping votes in election bins, unsolicited mail-in ballots, refusing to conduct full audits, illegally updating software and voting machines the day before the election, and Joe Biden waking up with a record-shattering 81 million votes while winning the fewest number of counties in the United States history without being able to fill a parking lot when he was on the campaign trail, when the incumbent garnered 12 million more votes than he did in the previous election and won 18 of the 19 bellwether counties, then you're a traitor if you question any of this. A traitor to America who should be locked in a cage without due process, declared a domestic terrorist, or prevented from ever running for political office for even suggesting that contested elections could be sent back to the states, for which there is a constitutional process to review and resolve. Also, January 6th, protests bad. Black Lives Matter riots all over the U.S. and outside of the White House injuring hundreds of Capitol Police and Secret Service members. Good. That's my take, at least. To state the obvious, Anyone who committed unprovoked violent acts on January 6th should be prosecuted, which includes government officials as well, but they won't be. I mean, the only coup was against Trump. It was by our own government and even his own inner circle. So, anyway, I just wanted to uh, share that with you before we uh, move on to talking about all the other stuff that we have on our plate for today. Oh, um... Over on my Facebook page, I have started uh, my I Told You So series. By the way, Walmart has pulled all my pillow products from their stores. My friend Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who by all rights should be your next uh, U.S. representative from central Arkansas, I believe the election was probably stolen from him, says Arkansas is becoming a liberal state with liberal corporations paying for politicians here. Ain't that the truth? Conduit News has an article I put on my Facebook page. I link to it. Sponsors of drag shows for children. Walmart, Tyson, and their surrogate, the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce. They also contribute to this guy who is in a runoff state legislature, Tyler Dees. So, you know, if you're in Northwest Arkansas, I would highly recommend you vote for his opponent, Gayla McKenzie. But anyway, Walmart, Tyson, the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce, 
sponsoring drag queen shows for children in Northwest Arkansas. And on my Facebook, it says, I told you so, chapter one. Walmart, Tyson, and the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce sponsor drag queen shows. Guess who's not going to say a word about it because she's in their back pocket? And my first response just a few moments ago, Sarah Sanders will still be silent on these issues. Mike will be our governor, and Sarah will be the spokesperson. No, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe maybe the CEO of uh, Walmart will be our governor. I mean, that's a guy who was begging Hunter Biden on a recently released audio tape in early 2018 to make sure that Joe ran for president in 2020. Who knows? Who knows? All right, now, let me, uh, let me explain to you how this whole red flag thing works. First of all, all these people who are pushing for common-sense gun control laws, they aren't too hip on enforcing gun laws that are already on the books. You know those two police officers in El Monte, California, who were recently murdered? Turns out the suspect, the guy they allege killed them, was on probation for gun crimes. Flores had a previous strike conviction and received two years probation for being a felon in possession of a firearm. The sentence is in accordance with the policies of L.A. District Attorney George Gascon, who refused to prosecute three-strike cases as required by law. So why do they want more gun laws if they're not going to enforce them? Well, here's one idea. Democrat Governor of Pennsylvania Tom Wolf has a little chart on Twitter He says, red flag laws allow us to take action when someone who has a gun begins to act erratically. Red flag laws still require due process, and any removal of weapons is temporary. So the chart says how red flag laws work to prevent mass shootings. So first you have a a drawing of a young lady. It says, this is Jane. Jane's social media contact, Randy posts photos of guns and cryptic messages on social media. Jane calls the police to report the posts. The police petition in court to temporarily remove Randy's guns. Police provide evidence that Randy is a danger to himself and or others. The court agrees to a temporary removal of Randy's weapons. So the great Stephen Miller, senior aide to Donald Trump, says those who made this graphic don't realize it confirms a core argument opponents have been making that guns will be confiscated by government from law-abiding gun owners for the most arbitrary reasons, in this case merely posting photos of the gun you lawfully own and so-called cryptic messages. So... Here's another response. 
This is Dave. Dave is stalking his ex-girlfriend who has a restraining order against him. Dave calls the police and claims Jane is suicidal. The police go to court and petition to temporarily take Jane's guns away. The court agrees, and the police remove Jane's guns from her possession. Now defenseless, Dave breaks in one night and brutally stabs Jane to death because, quote, if I can't have her, no one will, unquote. Uh, yeah. Another response to the Democrat governor of Pennsylvania, Tim Young, says, I don't like your social media, so I should have the right to call the police on you who then can strip you of your right to defend yourself. Got it. And last but not least, my friend Aaron Walker, who said, Notice, Randy never has a chance to be heard in your dumb cartoon. In other words, there's no due process. No due process. Another guy says, interesting how he thinks this vindication this vindicates these red flag laws. For us, we say we see they are completely unconstitutional. That's how far apart on many issues we are as a nation. So guilty until proven innocent. But let me get into some real world examples of how the red flag thing works. Now, there is a brilliant attorney over there on Twitter named Alexandria Brown. She says, this is kind of like sort of Twitter law school. Let's talk red flag laws and ex parte orders and due process and how anyone who tells you don't worry, the process won't be abused, and their robust due process protections is, at best, wildly naive, but more likely is lying to your face. Your legal vocabulary term for the day is ex parte. What does it mean? It means without party. In lawyer Latin, an ex parte order is one issued without both parties being present. There are valid reasons for this. In matters where time is of the essence, courts need the ability to issue orders. But this is to protect the person, property, or rights of another. To move it out of interpersonal matters and civil litigation, a temporary restraining order may be issued for documents or items to be preserved because the other side might dispose of them before the lawsuit can be filed. Ex parte orders are needed due to human nature. Sometimes things need to be done quickly, and courts are not designed for speed. Make no mistake, though, the due process protections for the party against whom the order is issued come into effect after the issuance of the ex parte order. To show... The potential issues with red flag laws. I shall discuss what happened to a client with the issuance of a protection order against him. He had an ex-wife who was bipolar and refused to take her meds. 
She continued to harass him years after the divorce. She showed up to court with a black eye and said he punched her in the face. She sought, she sought a protective order against him, which the judge issued. She also filed a criminal complaint for assault against a woman. Their protective order statute requires gun, gun confiscation until hearing. So my client learned about this when the police showed up to serve him with the order and summons for court appearance. He was stunned by this not only because he didn't hit her, but because he was out of the state on the date this supposedly happened. He told the police this. Well, the police shrugged it off and said, look, we're just here to serve you and get your guns. That is true. The cops do not adjudicate. They only do whatever the court tells them to do. So, my client turned over his guns and then got in touch with us later that day. Boss and he were longtime friends. Boss told him to get together every bit of documentation about him being out of town, hotel receipts, meal receipts, any video of him at the gathering he was attending, all of it. Boss also got in touch with the district attorney and said he was out of state. He couldn't have done this. The DA said, I'm not dropping this, but move to dismiss when we get in court, and we'll hear both motions at the 10-day hearing on the protective order. So we filed the motion to dismiss and the motion to consolidate, and then the boss went to the hearing. Ten days after the guns were taken, the crazy ex didn't show up to the hearing at all, Boss presented everything to the judge. Judge told the DA, withdraw the charges or I'm dismissing. The DA said, fine, I'll withdraw the charges. Now, it's better for the DA's statistics if he withdraws than to have the case dismissed. The judge also refused to extend the protective order. So our client asked, where do I pick up my guns? The judge said, well, you have to go through the paperwork to do that. We had anticipated that, so we had the forms ready, and the judge signed the forms. Client said, where do I pick them up? And judge said, this has to be processed. It will take three weeks for you to get your guns back. Client also asked the district attorney when the hearing would be for perjury charges on his ex. The DA said, what perjury charges? The client got very upset because it was obviously perjury. He wasn't even in the state. She had provably lied. That is perjury. DA said, no, we, we don't charge in those cases. Three weeks go by, and our client starts calling the sheriff's office to get his guns back. He keeps getting the runaround. Boss had to threaten to go back to court to get an order compelling compliance. When client picked up the guns... His Mossberg shotgun was missing. Sheriff's office initially denied that he even had one. Luckily, he had kept a copy of the inventory. It took seven months for him to get reimbursement for the Mossberg shotgun. The sheriff's office never did say what happened to it other than there must have been a mix-up. 
While all that was going on, the client was looking for work. He had two interviews that went well, and he was told that he would be offered the job once the background check was done. Both jobs retracted their offers after the background check came back. So, we had to get copies of the background checks from the background check services. Sure enough, due to how the database on the state side was maintained, the data scrape pulled the protection order and the charge, but the dismissal wasn't showing up yet. Our client now had to decide if he wanted to disclose to a potential employer that, hey, I've got a crazy ex-wife who claims false things about me. Here's a copy of the dismissal paperwork. Or if he wanted to wait the five weeks, it would take for the dismissals to propagate through the database. Also, the dismissal paperwork on the criminal charges was marked dismissed due to failure of complaining witness to appear. That said nothing about the fact she lied about this entire thing. Boss had to explain the situation to an employer who thankfully listened. Because they were friends, my boss handled this at a very low rate. It still cost the guy $2,500, If it had been at my boss's standard rate, well, over $10,000. All for something that was an actual provable lie. But, 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 Alex, due process, it worked. Well, sure, it worked. In theory, it worked. The protection order was not renewed. The criminal charges were dropped. He got all but one of his guns back. He got a job eventually. It all worked. Sure, it did. All it cost him was $2,500, months of his life, humiliation during interviews, and immense stress for a lie. She was never charged with perjury. There was no point in suing her since she didn't have any money. If you think that this won't happen with red flag laws, you're suffering from disordered thinking, and hey, isn't that a red flag? So, I've just scratched the surface. i got a lot more coming up. Why did the FDA just approve COVID vaccines for babies? What is the Biden regime doing to make the cost of gas worse? And a lot more on what is wrong with red flag laws, which Democrats and all too many Republicans in the United States Congress seem to be intent on fomenting on us anyway. All right, we appreciate so much our good friends, our advertisers, for making it possible to do what we do here on the Doc Washburn Show. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including... Your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options. 
and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button. You book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No copays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 501- 
501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thanks again to our advertiser friends, Jonathan Presswood with Edward Jones, Art Wilborn, MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, and, of course, Mitch Ward over at Red River Your Way. All right, coming up, why did the FDA just approve COVID vaccines for babies and how much money has Fauci been making off of all this? What's the latest on the January 6th political prisoners? What's the Biden regime doing to make the cost of gas go ever higher? But first, I I need to share with you a little bit more about the whole red flag law situation. This is from a uh, guy I follow over on Twitter who calls himself probably Mulder's International House of Pandemic Cakes. He says, let me tell you a story. Some of you may have heard this before. Others of you witnessed parts of it in real time. It's a cautionary tale, and it runs up against the push by 11 Republican senators to imperil my natural right to defense protected by the Constitution. He says, in 2006, an adjunct university professor entered the comments section of my blog, ProteinWisdom.com. She began debating other commentators and quickly found herself out of her depth. I can't recall the specifics of the post, but her argument was decidedly leftist. I went out for a time, and by the time I came back, the left-wing professor of risk management had become so unglued that she was threatening my then two-year-old son. Fox News ran a piece on it after Michelle Malkin highlighted it on her vent over at hotair.com. The professor was asked to step down from her position. She has not held a job since living off of severance and disability checks along with support from a wealthy family. Her public disgrace caused her some immediate introspection, but sadly that didn't last. As her career came apart and her relationships began to crumble, she picked my family, in particular my son, to blame for her self-inflicted travails she began posting pornographic entries about a two-year-old boy. She began making public accusations that my wife and I were molesting my son. Pretending to be a reporter, she contacted my mother asking for comment about my impending arrest for child molestation. She dug up my father's obituary and went on and on about sexualized tykes. We had received an order of protection against her, but because she lived out of state, the law couldn't touch her. 
She had begun attacking the lawyers who had helped me or represented me. She attacked the judges. All of this continued until right around 2014 when a detective in my small town found a legal means to bring charges, citing an online harassment law that had been passed in the intervening years. To make a long story short, this woman was able to evade consequences for 12 years. She reported me to Homeland Security as a terrorist threat, claiming I was making ricin. She also posted this on a community message board, warning parents to keep their kids away from my house on Halloween. She had been able to find where we lived using voter records. She called the surrounding schools, warning them that I was a pedophile and that my son was in danger. She contacted child services. She contacted my wife's place of employment. Ultimately, after years of effort, we were finally able to see her convicted on multiple felony charges. This happened after Colorado had her extradited twice in August of this year. She will likely be paroled after serving just two years of a six-year sentence, which means that for 14 years prior to her felony convictions, had she phoned in an anonymous tip on me, she may have been able to convince a judge to file an ex parte order requiring me to surrender my weapons. It took us 14 years to get her convicted of clear crimes. I've been through the legal system. Red flag laws will almost certainly be abused by those who figure out how to work the system. They will create victims where before none existed. They punish the law-abiding and benefit the vindictive, the cruel, the disinterested, and the bureaucrat and the bureaucratic apparatus, further clogging up an already glacially moving legal system and costing the accused time, money, worry, and liberty. Reject them and consider those who promote them your enemies because, trust me, they are your enemies. One of the responses here, it's truly incredible the damage someone can do, an innocent person, and how difficult it is to get them to stop. She should be on a national watch list. Well, yeah, she should. She should, but um, the problem here is that too many of the people who are supposed to represent us in Washington don't. They don't. And so you really have to make a lot of noise to try to get their attention. I'll give an example. When they started talking about red flag laws a few years ago, um, U.S. Senator Tom Cotton was speaking to a group in Jonesboro, and he said he thought they were a good idea in the interest of public safety. You know, somebody close to you. Notice you were kind of 
uh, acting weird um, and had some serious concerns. They could go to court. We got massive pushback. So by the time he came on my show on talk radio in Little Rock, Arkansas, two or three weeks later, he's like, oh, no, 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 red flag laws. Oh, no, 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 bad, bad news. No, I'm definitely against that. So he runs for election in 2020, didn't even have a Democrat opponent, gets reelected. Uh, now he's in serious talks with big money donors about running for president in 2024. And he's like, well, yeah, sure, if the states want to pass red flag laws, that's fine with me. Because Tom Cotton, like most other politicians, knows which side of the bread the butter is on. All right? So I'm just warning you. You know? Because... I don't ever want you to say, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you warn us? Just warning you. Now, to put the cherry on top of the Sunday, the great Kurt Schlichter, retired colonel over there on Town Hall. Townhall.com has the article, No White Flag on Red Flag Laws. He said, Red Flag Laws? No. I get that people don't like the idea of scumbags murdering kids. I don't either. Which is why I want criminals prosecuted and cops in schools. And I understand the appeal of a process to take away the guns from people we would all agree are bad, but who have not yet actually gone and become felons or certifiable crazies. I have friends who argue for these laws, confident that our rights will be protected by due process, but I do not share their faith. If the last few years has taught us anything, it is not to put our trace, it is not to put our trust in institutions to do their constitutional duty when it conflicts with their political preferences. But even if a fair process could be established, the idea of red flag laws is entirely based upon a flawed premise. The premise is that you can just take a right away because you think it's a good idea. It's hard to see the due process when someone being processed has done nothing wrong. That's key. If they have done something wrong, there are already constitutionally sound ways to restrain them. You don't get to take people's rights without convicting them of a crime or showing that they are nuts and need to be in the booby hatch. There's no special exception to the U.S. Constitution because 10 invertebrate Republican senators want to do something. We already have well-established and constitutional ways of doing something. If someone is a convicted felon, he's banned from having a gun. If someone is making threats, get a restraining order or better yet, arrest him. If someone is crazy, then channel that old Van Halen album and 5150 him. 5150, that means uh, an involuntary psychiatric cold. But the founders would look upon you if you told them, hey, we think it's cool to strip people of their sacred rights because someone complains about them 
and a judge is too scared to actually demand real evidence and risk letting him keep his rights. And they would probably say something along the lines of, oh, this is kind of rough, taketh ye head from inside your rear endeth, for thou art a fool. Red flag laws are ripe for abuse. You can tell because the left is slobbering to get them enacted. Do Democrats arrest the myriad scumbags wandering the streets of Democrat cities? Do they prosecute them? No, they don't. And these animals commit about the same amount of carnage that was committed in Uvalde every few days. And Democrats actually cared about what they call gun crime. They would arrest, charge, and lock up gun criminals, but they don't. They care about thought crimes, not gun crimes. Specifically, they care about your thought crimes. These laws might be used to disarm a few nutballs, sure, but they will also be used against us when we dissent too much. We have seen how they use the power of government against political opponents like us. IRS targeting, FBI entrapment, selective prosecutions, to name a few. And why in the world we give them a new weapon when they have abused the ones they already have in the service of the regime? Oh, but see, but see, there are police and judges who will ensure that this is all done fairly and is never, ever part of some political vendetta. Well, Chet, my unicorn, is totally confident that the ruling caste will start respecting our rights as soon as we grant it this power to summarily take our rights away. Again, why in the world will we ever put our civil rights in the hands of a dual-track justice system where our train is always the one getting derailed? Gosh, in a society where meth enthusiast Hunter Biden poses with a gat and is not arrested, where Nancy Pelosi's understandably drunk hubby walks away from a DUI accident scot-free where Trump supporters who are mostly peaceful languish in dungeons as judges rubber stamp the flouting of their right to a speedy trial, where Peter Navarro gets chained up while Eric Holder does not, are we supposed to believe that we can rely on the justice system to treat us conservatives fairly when some liberal complains to the red flag forces that we are thinking unapproved thoughts? And that will happen. I mean, you know it will happen. Just as you know, we will be harassed and oppressed because we already have been. And exactly what has the judicial system done to convince us that this new power is one they won't dare abuse? U.S. Senator John Cornyn, the empty suit behind his terrible idea, used to be a Texas Supreme Court justice. He's probably pretty confident in the judicial system. And why not? It works great for him. But for us, no. This is an invitation to oppression, and that's why our enemies love it. Haven't you heard? The big threat to America, according to Grandpa Badfinger's Attorney General, is white supremacy. And guess what they call all you conservatives? Who is the judge who is going to give one of those back his guns? Sorry. You can't trust the judiciary to do the right thing. If you want a real confidence builder, look at all those stories of people fighting for years to get back money taken by the authorities because of civil asset forfeiture laws. Due process is still a process, due or not. 
How many years and how many tens of thousands of dollars do you want to spend to win back your right to keep and bear arms after having done nothing wrong? The ten treacherous Republicans behind this betrayal act as though the Second Amendment is nice in theory, but not to be taken seriously in practice, except that's entirely wrong. It's critical to our conception of being a free people. He says, I talk about guns and how they're an essential component of citizenship a lot in my upcoming nonfiction book, We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. And in it, he says, I talk about guns, how they might be used to keep us free in the remote and regrettable scenario where the systems of a free society fail utterly and force was left the people's only option besides submission to tyranny. Uh-oh, call the flag force. He says, I'm with the founders. An armed population is a citizenry. A disarmed population is a gaggle of serfs, if not future gulag dwellers. When you take a gun, you don't just take a hunk of metal, You take what makes a citizen free. Of course, that's the point for the Democrats and the credulous Republican dopes are only too eager to go along. Their stubborn belief that the norms are still normal is going to ensure that the norms are gone forever. Uh Uh-oh, scary. Do I get red flagged now because of my unapproved thoughts? If the flatulent sap who allegedly awkwardly had relations with a Chinese communist agent, God admire her selfless sacrifice for her motherland, though, is any indicator the purpose of this minority report garbage is exactly what hotbox Eric Swalwell wanted to red flag that scary threat to the peace, Ben Shapiro, for observing that when tyranny descends, you can run or you can fight, something that is indisputably true. Leave it to Congressman Dim Gitsom to break the fourth wall and spoil the plot for the audience. Yes, yes, yes. What are you talking about here? Eric Swalwell definitely wants red flag laws applied to Ben Shapiro for having the gall to believe in the Second Amendment. That's it. So Colonel Schlichter continues, So how did Texas Senator John Cornyn react to this and our other concerns about his collaboration with the Democrats? He didn't. He was too busy strutting around like a ridiculous peacock enjoying the little bit of limelight cocaine Mitch let him borrow. Cornyn, again, a former state judge who's not exactly building up our confidence in in the wisdom of state judges, is hoping to replace the murder turtle as Senate Republican leader someday, his competitor is John Thune, who would be well advised to become the face of heck no. I have to add it myself a little bit sometimes. In contrast to his opponent's decision to become the face of, thank you, sir, may I please have another. Also, John Thune has a cool Marvel villain name going for him in addition to not yet having sold out the Republican base or sucking up to the Washington Post. Again, I understand the superficial appeal of red flag laws, and there are good people I respect who are infatuated with them. 
they tell themselves that the constitutional issues can be resolved, that there can be due process that will prevent the abuses that the Democrats fully intend to inflict. The pinkos will tell you they do if you just listen. But my friends are wrong. They are wrong in their faith in the institutions to protect our rights. They are wrong in ignoring how the process is the punishment, how years stripped of your rights and spending tens or thousands of dollars just to get back what never should have been taken in the first place is not victory. It's probably tens of thousands of dollars. And they're wrong in their belief that the Constitution allows this in any case. What other right do you have to appeal to some judge who, if not outright biased against guns, will worry about the blowback if the accused gets his rights back and commits a crime to regain them when you have committed no crime and you are not demonstrably insane? None. There's no red flag process for free speech, nor for a free press, nor to practice your religion, nor for any other right. And the Second Amendment is not a second-class right subject to infringement at the whim of the government. Because if it can be, it has ceased to become a right at all. No red flag laws. And Senator Cornyn and the rest of you, stop waving the white flag before we in the base raise the black flag at the ballot box. Now, there are some suggestions here. Um, one of my buddies over at uh, Twitter calls himself the Columbia Bugle says, keep calling your senators. The Axios Press Agency says that John Cornyn is the recipient of a conservative backlash against the gun talks. Multiple sources with direct knowledge say the Republican senators who are uneasy about the negotiations include Mike Lee, Rick Scott, Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Rand Paul, Mike Crapo, among others. There's considerable unhappiness in the Republican conference that we seem to be approaching a bill that will unite all the Democrats and divide the Republicans, said another senior Republican with direct knowledge of the internal talks. Late breaking news this morning, Texas Republican Platform Committee unanimously approves resolution rebuking Senator John Cornyn's embrace of gun control measures. Whereas all gun controls measures are a violation of the Second Amendment and our God-given rights. Now, can you imagine an official Republican committee in the state of Arkansas rebuking any Republican politician? I mean, they should have kicked our governor out for vetoing the bill to protect children from being castrated, but they didn't. They didn't. By the way, Senator Josh Hawley was on Washington Watch this morning expressing his concerns about Senator Cornyn's gun control bill. He said, I have to tell you that I don't really like the framework. Among other things, this framework incentivizes red flag laws. I've got major concerns about a lot of these red flag laws across the country. So I'm trying to let you know, might not be a bad idea to call 
Senator Cotton, Senator Bozeman, if you're in Arkansas, if you're in Texas, our number two state for podcast downloads, might not be a bad idea to call Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Cornyn, who was practically booed off the stage at a Republican meeting in Texas this morning, and let them know how concerned you are with this um, gun control deal. And call your U.S. representative. Again, if you're in Arkansas, that's French Hill, Central Arkansas, Bruce Westerman, Southern or Western Arkansas, Rick Crawford, Eastern Arkansas, Steve Womack, Northwest Arkansas. Some of them might actually listen to you. You never know. Texas has way, 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 way too many U.S. representatives if we're going to get into uh, that long list because they're a big state with a lot of people. Yeah, anyway, um, it would be used against us. That would be pretty much the end, I believe, of the Second Amendment as we know it. All right, coming up, uh, we got to tell you the latest what's going on with some of the uh, January 6th political prisoners. Also, why did the FDA just approve COVID vaccines for babies? How much money has Anthony Fauci been making in kickbacks from pharmaceutical companies? And what's the Biden regime doing to make the cost of gas go ever higher? More coming up as the Doc Washman Show continues right here. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton. M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another... If you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. 
So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thanks so much again to our advertisers, Drs. J.R. and Tanya Crabtree at Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, my good buddies there, and also my friend and attorney, Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. All right, um, I want to want to talk about the, the gas prices because, see, one of the problems is um, – as gas prices continue to go up, so does the price of everything else. And what happens when the truckers can no longer afford diesel and can no longer make deliveries to the grocery stores? So uh, that could be problematic. I, I know every time we go to the grocery store, we buy a few more cans of soup and Sardines and canned goods that you know, just in case uh, at some point the uh, the shelves are bare. Redstate.com from June sixteenth. Bonchi has it. Joe Biden makes pathetic threat to oil companies. Exxon Mobil drops him in response. Amidst record prices, the White House has been desperately searching for a way to bring down costs without actually having to change its policy direction. That means a lot of whining about supposed price gouging and threatening oil companies. On Tuesday, the threats escalated to the use of emergency powers. Specifically, the Defense Production Act to force oil companies to refine more gasoline. Yeah, that's right. I'll never call him president. Dementia Joe will warn CEOs of the nation's largest oil companies on Wednesday that he's considering invoking emergency powers to boost U.S. refinery output, according to a letter obtained by Axios. Why it matters? Biden's direct engagement with the oil giant with the oil giants is part of an ongoing White House effort to tame fuel prices despite limited options and cast oil companies as responsible for consumers' higher bills. So it's not the weekend, so I'm going to just start posting memes describing how idiotic Biden's threat is. And to be frank, I think everyone reading this is smart enough to know. Joe Biden isn't smart enough to know, but you are. While he apparently believes he's a king, refining capacity doesn't care about emergency powers. As CNBC notes... Refineries are already running over 90% of capacity and no new ones have been built in decades, largely because of stringent federal regulations and inconsistent energy policies. 
Who would invest in a new refinery when you got one party saying they want to shut it down in five to ten years? Oh, 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 wait. Wait. You don't know about that? Excuse me? You, you don't realize we got a party that wants to shut down refineries in as soon as five years from now? Well, check it out. Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, who's demanding they spend a lot of money coming up with more gas and oil right now, but we're going to shut you down in less than five years. Five years from now, ten years from now, are you telling me you want them drilling for more oil? You want the refineries putting out more gasoline in five or ten years? That's John Berman over at CNN. What we're saying is today we need that supply increased. Of course, in five or ten years, actually in in the immediate, we are also pressing on the accelerator, if you will, to move toward clean energy so that we don't have... Wait, we want more gas and oil right now, but we're trying to shut you down right now. ...to be under the thumb of petro-dictators like Putin or at the whim of the volatility of fossil fuels. Ultimately, America will be most secure when we can rely upon our own clean domestic production of energy. But that's the problem solar, for these companies. Wind, these through... companies are saying, you know, you're asking me to do more now, invest more now, when in fact, five or ten years from now, we don't think that demand will be there, and the administration doesn't even necessarily want it to be there. Just one last question on something. No, no, the demand will be there. See, even even as he's trying to hold her accountable, he soft-sells it. The demand will be there. It's just that Biden and flunkies like Granholm want it shut down. Saudi Arabia, the president is going to Saudi Arabia, where we understand he will be meeting with the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. Is there any kind of promise beforehand that the Saudis will increase production? No, no, there's no promise beforehand. He's no, there's not. And let me just say, John, I'm John. I mean, we're, we really want to see us move to clean energy, but we also need to see this increase right now. And we are asking the oil and gas companies as well to diversify. And wait, I thought Biden's been bragging about gas prices continuing to go up meaning you'll transition to clean energy, which, of course, you won't because electric cars are too expensive for most Americans. And the electricity for a lot of them comes from coal anyway. But we want more oil and gas production now, even as we're trying to shut them down. She's not that bright. Make sure that part of that they become diversified energy companies to be able to produce other means of clean energy because they have a huge deep pockets. They have a big ability to invest in the future as well as investing right now so that we don't see oil and gas causing the inflation numbers and people being hurt every day. You like the people being hurt. That is a feature not a bug. You couldn't care less about people being hurt. If you did, you wouldn't be pro-abortion. So anyway, back to the uh, article over at Red State about um, about Biden threatening the oil and gas companies and getting dropped by ExxonMobil. So, 
He says, picking up where I left off, while Dementia Joe apparently believes he's a king, refining capacity doesn't care about emergency powers. As CNBC notes, refineries are already running over 90% of capacity. No new ones have been built in decades, largely because of stringent federal regulations and inconsistent energy policies. Who would invest in a new refinery when you got one party saying they want to shut it down in five to ten years anyway? Then there's the fact that the White House has pushed refineries to make environmentally unfriendly engine-damaging biofuel as part of its climate agenda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Refiners can't just ramp up output with utilization rates already above 90%. Additionally, some refiners are now being reconfigured to make alternate products like biofuel. So after Biden sent his letter, ExxonMobil dropped him in response. Oh, my goodness, did they? So, the oil giant noted several inconvenient facts to the president's narrative, even going so far as to discuss investments that have cost the company money in an effort to keep production going in this difficult, most mostly government-caused environment. All right, so let me share with you what they said. ExxonMobil's statement regarding Biden letter to oil industry. Remember, I'm not ever going to call him president. This is dated Wednesday, June 15th. ExxonMobil today released the following statement in response to a letter from blank Biden. We have been in regular contact with the administration to update the blank and his staff on how ExxonMobil has been investing more than any other company to develop U.S. oil and gas supplies. This includes investments in the U.S. of more than $50 billion over the past five years, resulting in an almost 50% increase in our U.S. production of oil during this period. Globally, we've invested double what we've earned over the past five years, $118 billion on new oil and gas supplies compared to net income of just $55 billion. This is a reflection of the company's long-term growth strategy and our commitment to continuously invest to meet society's demand for our products. Specific to refining capacity in the U.S., we've been investing through the downturn to increase refining capacity to process U.S. light crude by about 250,000 barrels per day, the equivalent of adding a new medium-sized refinery. We kept investing even during the pandemic when we lost more than $20 billion and had to borrow more than $30 billion to maintain investment to increase capacity to be ready for post-pandemic demand. In the short term, the U.S. government could enact measures often used in emergencies following the hurricanes or other supply disruptions such as waivers of Jones Act provisions and some fuel specifications to increase supplies Longer term, government can promote investment through clear and consistent policy that supports U.S. resource development, such as regular and predictable lease sales, as well as streamlined regulatory approval and support for infrastructure, such as pipelines. Okay, got it? 
Banchi at Red State said the statement is clear and concise, and while it'll do nothing to persuade the climate hysterics, the facts within are undeniable. Despite the often repeated claim that oil companies are just pocketing gobs of, gobs of cash, ExxonMobil points out they have invested double what they've made over the last five years. Contrary to Dementia Joe's notion that they are purposely holding back production, they have increased production by 50%. But I think the most important part of the response comes at the end. While Biden hounds the oil companies to create create a scapegoat for his failed policies, ExxonMobil is asking for clear and consistent policies. That's really the key to this entire thing. When a president spends years saying he's going to crush oil production and then enacts policies that do just that, the idea that it is now the fault of oil companies for not producing more is asinine. It's a pathetic attempt by a feeble old man to deflect blame for his failures. Lastly, the statement specifically mentions the need for more infrastructure, such as pipelines. That's a nod to Biden's canceling of Keystone XL. After all, how are you going to refine more gasoline when a supply of oil is being pinched by the government? Dementia Joe could greenlight Keystone today and it would have an effect on oil prices because the markets are speculatory. He won't, though. Now, by speculatory, that means they're futures markets. They're looking down the line and seeing how things are going to happen, you know? What is, what is it going to look like? In the end, I think Americans know where the blame lies here. Biden's weak attempts to escape responsibility will only harden the opposition to him. Oh, I think plenty of Americans don't know where the, where the blame is. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. She said, well, i got friends who say, well, you know, Biden's not, uh, uh, he, he's not to blame for the high gas prices. I'm like, what? How could they possibly say something like that? Oh, well, they don't ever explain it. I said, oh, oh, let me guess, because I'm a liberal. She's like, yeah, I guess. Ah, okay. Nick Arama over at Red State. Peter Ducey nails White House in a lie and complete contradiction on inflation and oil production. Says at this point, our gas prices are skyrocketing to the moon, while Joe Biden and his team seem to have no idea what they're doing from one minute to the next as their positions contradict each other. He mentions Biden's threatening letter he sent to the energy companies demanding they produce more oil and suggesting consequences they don't comply. Shades of a communist government. He mentions Exxon's response, essentially saying they had no idea what he's talking about. It was a very polite way of saying you're full of it. They said they kept producing through the pandemic, even though they lost billions in the process. But the real answer is consistent government policy allows for stable growth, the opposite of what Biden has done. Okay, now, now, there's already news out on Red State and other places that Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, wasn't on the same page, claiming there was no need to drill more. Did you know that? On Wednesday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre attacked the oil companies for not producing enough, telling them to stop blaming the war, which is ironic, given that's all that Joe Biden does is blame the war. She demanded they be patriotic and come up with more. But on Thursday, when Fox's Peter Ducey asked Karine Jean-Pierre if this meant that the Biden team was backing off their stated goal of ending fossil fuels, she said no. They were still intent on stopping fossil fuels 
and that they don't need to drill. Hey. Really? Really? Well, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this. Uh, Curtis Halk over at Media Research Center has this on uh, on Twitter. Why have to drill more here in the U.S., though? We, because we don't need to do that. What we need them to do is, with the oil that's out there, we need the, to, them to refine that oil so that we, so that prices, so that the capacity could go up and then prices it would go down. Okay. Inher- that's stupid. But wait, there's more. So I know the president once said that he was going to end fossil fuel. Is that now off the table? No, we are going to continue uh, to move forward with our uh, clean energy uh, proposal, our climate change uh, and, and so proposal. Is that, is that a priority? So here, climate I, change I, I, over gas. Prices? No, that's not what we're saying. We're what saying we're saying that president, we're saying I'm answering I'm answering the question. No, you're not. No, you're not. People are clueless. Absolutely clueless. Nick Aram at Red State continues, so they want the companies to invest a lot, ramp up production while they're still trying to get rid of them? How does that make any kind of sense? Help us politically, but we still want to do you in. And as Exxon noted, what kind of message is this sent? Why would anyone produce anything under these circumstances? It's already a precarious business with a lot of possible loss. What you will have from all this is people getting out of the field because they don't want to have to deal with this, which will make things more difficult and drive prices up even worse. You have to have a constant, stable, encouraging policy, not a government trying to whip you into submission. But then Peter Ducey asked Karine Jean-Pierre about another one of Joe Biden's lies. That inflation is worse everywhere else but here. She goes into a word salad to rival Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, basically repeating Joe Biden's lie. Why is the president saying that? In, pardon. Why is the president saying <laughs> that inflation is worse everywhere but here? Uh, because what we have seen uh, across the globe, first of all, inflation is a global challenge, as we have said. Uh, it is. Uh, it is. It is. It is caused by uh, uh, clearly um, the pandemic, this once in a generation pandemic that we are coming out of, and also uh, most recently uh, the war that uh, that Putin started in Ukraine that has caused inflation as we look at food and as we look at gas prices. So, if you look at globally other countries, um, and if you look at where we are economically, when you think about the Group Seven, the G Seven, uh, we are in a much stronger place than we are economically than. than the rest. She never answered the question. She never answered the question. Again, Nicaragua Red State says she's supposed to be the press secretary. She's supposed to be explaining all her positions on issues. If she descends into word salads and it isn't comprehensible, then we have an even bigger problem. Ducey wouldn't let her off the hook. He nailed her on that lie. Pointing out inflation is worse here 
than in a boatload of other countries. And also, I did look globally, though. He says that inflation is worse everywhere but here. That's not true. The U.S. has worse inflation than Germany, France, Japan, Canada, India, Italy, Saudi Arabia. Well, so why is he saying that? I think we, what we are saying is that... Uh, when you talk about inflation, it is a global thing. And it is not just about the United States. This is something that everyone is feeling because of coming out of once in, once in a lifetime pandemic, because of the war that Russia has started in Ukraine. But okay. well, that's a problem. When you lie a lot and you have no idea what you're doing, it's hard to keep anything straight. And that is the Biden team right now. It show is, brother. And so is the great Stephen Moore, senior economic contributor of Freedom Works, writes at uh, Wall Street Journal, distinguished fellow at the Heritage Foundation. I, I met Stephen Moore when he was in town. He's in Little Rock in 2016 campaigning for Donald Trump. He was one of Donald Trump's senior economic advisors. It was uh, Stephen Moore, Larry Kudlow, and um, the other name perhaps will come to me. Anyway, Stephen Moore, just a brilliant guy and, and delightful to speak to. He said, last night on Twitter, he said, the recession is here. The stock market sold off almost no small business confidence, zero GDP growth. Inflation at 8 to 10%. Brace for impact. Yep. Brace for impact. Again, do you have a plan when the, um, when the diesel gets too expensive for a lot of the uh, truckers and they stop uh, delivering food to grocery stores? Do you have a plan for that? Just... Uh, Just trying to warn you, you know. I'm your friend, not your enemy. Don't want to uh, you to say, why didn't you tell us? All right, hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, big old car dealership. In the middle of the U.S., please, in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. And today's, today's tweet of the day, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre says the economy is in a better place than it has been historically. Joel Berry over the Babylon Bee says uh, the economy is in a better place, like it died and went to heaven. Oh! (laughs) That's our tweet of the day. Thank you, Mitch Ward and our friends at RedRiverYourWay.com. For providing that. Um, there's a lot of stuff I haven't been able to get to yet on this episode of 
the Doc Washburn show. But since I'm catching up on Friday afternoon, I'm doing the one I should have been, well, I would have done on Thursday lunchtime if I hadn't been somewhere else speaking to a group of folks and if the Internet hadn't gone out late last night. So the plan is to do the next episode of the Doc Washburn Show in less than 24 hours. Who knows, maybe even uh, Friday evening, but definitely, definitely before this time on Saturday. So you've been listening to episode 175 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, Directed by Mick Messy, this has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. Well, that's the way it is. Friday, June 17th. 2022.